Hey, y'all, this is an interview I did with Guy Mason, who is, as you'll hear, a pastor in uh, Melbourne, Australia, um, doing some awesome stuff at a church called City on a Hill. And I did it for the Canadian Church Leaders podcast. And they graciously let me take that interview and bring it over here for my own podcast. But you should also go over and follow their podcast because it is awesome for leaders, for pastors, preachers in Canada specifically. So hopefully you enjoyed this interview. Thanks for listening. Okay, Mark Clark here. I am with the infamous Dr. Reverend Guy Mason, all the way from Sydney, Australia. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Melbourne, Australia. Where? How, how are you doing, sir? Are you okay? I'm doing well. Definitely not a doctor, not what? infamous, and yeah, technically a reverend, but um, <laughs> definitely not from Sydney. Brother, but I love I, Sydney. Love Sydney. It's beautiful. Of course you do. We're, we're on the record here, so you have to love Sydney. Um, <laughs> I've only been to Aussie land once and that was when you invited me graciously to come preach yeah. at your church and at your conference. And, uh, man, what a, what a blessing that was to hang with you and your family. So you are close to my heart, city on a hill church. You planted it. Uh, it's unbelievable. I'll, I'll get back to that in a second, but, uh, as a pastor during these crazy times, how are you? I mean, I think what most pastors are doing right now, guy, uh, are sitting around going, what did I get into this for? Uh, yeah. And so, so much of our audience is, is going, a lot of the pastors I talked to have started daydreaming about different jobs. Uh, you know, a lot of the Barna studies are talking about 60, 70, 80% of pastors are like questioning why they got into this and leaving and all of that, all the pressures, all the stress. Uh, tell us you lead a big church that you started uh, multi-site thing. It's more of a movement uh, than just a church. Um, before we get into the details of that, so you can inspire us and teach us how to do that well, how are you dealing with this moment of pressure and, and feeling like, oh man, do, do, does Guy Mason want to quit? That's what everyone's asking. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I certainly resonate with that. And I wasn't familiar with the studies, but um, it doesn't surprise me. And um, it's certainly been a, um, a refining and a sanctifying uh, season. Uh, I'm certainly, I, I certainly feel that, um, you know, I, I think last year was a, a year of challenge and, yeah. um, you know, opportunity. I think, you know, some people came out of the gate and like, wow, this is exciting. This is new. We get to pivot and we get to try this. But <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought I was the only one to use that word. Yeah. Guy. Guy. So like, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of pivoting going on. And I think, you know, for the pioneers, the entrepreneur types, like there was enthusiasm and energy in that. And I think we all anticipated that it was going to be a longer, a longer game. Um, but I don't think we, we sat in the reality of that. And, and, and no one knew that. No one knew what it would feel like. I mean, sure. Um, just, you know, most, most pastors I know love people. And, and being apart from uh, being apart from people was is, is incredibly difficult. You know, learning new things, um, learning new ways to connect, completely throwing out so much of what we uh, had been doing is just com- is a massive disruption. And 
there was a, you know, a sense of sadness. I mean, I know that how COVID has impacted people has been different all across the world. In Melbourne, mm-hmm. there was a pretty hard lockdown for what felt like six months. And, um, you know, just personally from, you know, with homeschool, I got four kids and, um, you know, it was, it was a it's challenging season. You know, mm. it, it, was, it was the best of times and the worst of times all at mm. once. Right. You should, you should uh, trademark that. That's good. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, so you didn't, you didn't want to quit. You don't want to quit. You're still with it. You still love well, what I'm you're still, doing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I took some time out last year um, for a host of reasons, but that was good for me to really reflect on, but no, absolutely. I, I think like, like right now, talking to you right now, um, I'm really excited about this year ahead. Um, it's challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, it reminds me that we're completely dependent upon God and absolutely need God. It's been a humbling season for me. Sure. You know, because so often it's like we got this, you know, got this in control. We know how this works. I put this in place. And just so much of that gets stripped away, which, you know, puts me back on my knees. Yeah, uh, totally. Reminds me that this is Jesus' church. Mm -hmm. Um, We also see tremendous need in our city in a new way. Mm -hmm. Because people are hurting. People have been isolated. Uh, they're lonely. They're seeing their idols taken away from them. Um, there's just a lot of need in which, so for me as a pastor, I'm like, this is a great opportunity to lift yeah. up the beauty, the truth, and the relevance of Jesus. It's like yeah. we, as pastors, Mark, you know, we, we've been trying to like help our people and help the city hear about the importance of Jesus because one of the things that's interesting in this season is that the good news of the gospel rings true. In fact, it shines more brightly. Um, so I'm, I'm eager uh, to continue to go deep with Jesus and share that as we go forward. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, part of it, like you're saying, which I think is a brilliant point that every pastor needs to hear is like, we are, the thing that we love to do as pastors is, is get around people physically. And uh, we love to, uh, I don't want to say manipulate, but those who are who are good are going to get in a room and they're going to inspire and they're going to take the energy of, of bodies in a room and create a, a whole. And then, and like you're saying, this all got stripped away from us. And now we're left with like, Oh, Hey, Holy spirit. Can you maybe do some stuff for me? You know, it's like, I can't get in a room and do the magic anymore. There's no room. There's no people. And so, like you said, we're on our knees going, please, Jesus, like, hey, if, if I haven't been crying out to you uh, yeah. for the last 10 years of ministry, I'm, I'm kind of needing you to get involved now. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and, and that's why, and, and yeah. That, yeah, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, and you're saying that you're, you're putting that in the category of sanctifying work on you as a leader. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and and really going to Christ for for wisdom. I mean, you know, Bible tells us Jesus says, "I will build my church." Right? Um, gates of hell should not prevail. Okay, uh, 
We can't be in a room with people. Uh, now, and it's interesting, isn't it? Like depending on what your uh, wheelhouse is or your, your, what you feel your particular gift is, that's going to be challenged like wherever you are. Like, mm. you, you know, you incredible preacher. So it's like, man, I can't get in the room and, and, and communication has now changed. I'm, I'm preaching to a camera guy as opposed to being with, you know, a room yeah. full of people. Or I've got like other, you know, like they're real pastoral types. They want to be at the bedside of people who are grieving and, and they have to do that via Zoom. Um, and, and so, uh, like so many different gifts that we kind of latch onto, which are all good gifts and they're all how God has made us have been tested and challenged. And, and, and that, yeah, there's, there's a lot of self-reflection that can happen in that. A lot of going back to the word, like absolutely exactly what you said, Jesus, we need you. You know, where are you? You know, it's, we absolutely, this is a time we want the gospel to shine through, help us. Use yeah, us good. Quick. If you weren't listeners, if you weren't charismatic, you know, before COVID, you have to be now because you know the Holy Spirit's got to do something. Um, okay, this is uh, you know um, uh, a podcast built around pastors in Canada, church leaders in Canada, and so uh, give us a bit of your just to set the stage for my follow up questions here. Give us a bit of your story about uh, City on a Hill. Uh, Give us the quick snapshot. You planted it. What happened? And now what's your, like, what do you oversee as a leader so that all these pastors can kind of go, okay, here's the context. When he's answering a question, here's, here's what he's, here's where he's coming from. Okay. So give us the city yeah. on a hill story. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, well, my wife and I, uh, joined a small group Bible study. Uh, what year are we now? I don't know. 2021. Yeah. Oh. So like about. 13 years ago now, okay. small group Bible study. It was part of another church. They'd thought about maybe planting a church in the city. Um, there wasn't a lot of, at least to my knowledge, a heap of talk about church planting, whereas now it feels like they're popping up all the time, which is amazing. Um, so it was all kind of kind of new and raw. And we joined a small group Bible study really with a vision to um, help see our city, you know, encounter Christ. And... Um, we, we ended up launching in a pub, a, a brewery uh, in a place called Docklands, which is right in the heart of the city or just a little bit out there. And um, by God's grace, um, started gathering with people, preaching the gospel, trying to work out how do we serve the community? Uh, how do we equip um, Christians uh, to declare the good news of Christ, to use their gifts? Uh, how do we love people? Well, they, like they're all the questions that we were trying to wrestle with. Uh, and so we started in a pub and um, by God's grace, uh, we're going to see um, prayers being answered, um, people giving their life to Jesus, uh, which is, you know, amazing. You know, I, probably similar to, to, to Canada, uh, at least in the time I've been there with you and um, talking to other pastors, you know, it's quite a uh, post and pre-Christian culture. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who had some affinity or affiliation, I should say, with a religious upbringing. Maybe they went to a, a religious school or went to church at some point and are no longer there. They've completely checked out. And then there are just a bunch of people like myself who grew up knowing almost nothing. You know, to me, Jesus was pr- just a swear word for, for much of my upbringing. So um, that's a little bit about the, the, the context, the culture. Um, you know, your average person in Melbourne doesn't go to church um, and uh, wouldn't look favorably upon people who did or mm-hmm. talked about Jesus. So um, 
we, we, we planted this church and yeah, by God's grace, um, we really wanted to be quite simple in one sense. And that is just trusting God's word and trusting that God has got to be central in our mm-hmm. church and trusting that Jesus is building his church and believing that Jesus is beautiful, glorious, true and relevant. And um, if we can help people see who Jesus is and talk about the impact he has on our lives and what we believe the impact he can have on the lives of others, then, you know, that's good news, you know, good news of great joy. So uh, we, we stepped out in faith, really not knowing how it would go, um, stepped out in faith, trusting, however, that God was powerful to save. And so across those, you know, 13 years, uh, 14 years, whatever it is, um, God has, um, man, it's been such a journey. You know, um, we've seen people giving their life to Jesus and really such a range of people. Melbourne is a very diverse city, um, ethnically, um, economically. um, I mean, it's just a very... uh, diverse city. And it's just been wonderful to see, you know, what the the gospel holds up. And that is that it's good news for all people to see that lived out in a body of, uh, you know, the body of Christ. And that's been wonderful to see. It's been amazing to see people step out and and, and dream up new ministries and to try and navigate that. Um, It's, you know, we've we've played a part in planting churches and and gathering. uh, How many churches have you planted? Well, as a movement, um, we would say we're one movement of um, many churches. And I think at the moment it's like seven. We're about to plant another um, in New South and the, Wales. And, and they're all yeah. part of the – describe a bit of just the context of the, uh, the the kind of familial relationship of the churches. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> we, we're often trying to answer oh, that question. Oh, mean you don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like so we structurally – I mean obviously we're talking to pastors. So we uh, – structurally we have lead pastors over – each of those churches and we want to see them as churches. And so what that means is they have a lead pastor, they have leaders around them. Um, you know, we we all, they're each called City on a Hill, you know, it might be City on a Hill Geelong or City on a Hill Brisbane or City on a Hill Melbourne. Um, and, you know, we, we encourage those guys to lead. They do all the, the you know, the, the preaching, the bulk of the preaching. Um, we're all moving through the same Bible series, the same Bible book. Structurally, we're quite similar. Uh, we have unifying values. Um, my role as the senior pastor is to provide, I guess, peak leadership and vision. And um, But we're very collaborative. We work together. Um, it de- and obviously, it depends on what stage uh, the church is at and how much, you know, involvement, you know, all those kinds of things. So, um yeah, I mean, it's a really, it's 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 actually quite a gift to be able to work uh, with a team of leaders who are each mm-hmm. committed to. I mean, chiefly, we're committed to knowing Jesus and making Jesus known, and so that's the <laughs> that's the banner, that's the big brief that that, that we're all on. Um, sometimes it looks a bit different right. depending where they are, but yeah. So, so obviously, you've had to you draw. You're a leader of leaders in a sense, and. Uh, you know, some people are going to have a capacity for being a leader of a whole kind of apostolic movement. Other pastors who are listening to this are going to be more focused on their particular congregation and leading their staff of however many people. But you've been able to draw leaders to yourself and then send them out. Uh, how what would you say are like a couple things that we because we all need to be Ephesians 4 says we got to be equipping people for the work of ministry instead of just doing the ministry ourselves. So. What do you see in yourself 
that's like, oh, this is this is how I've been effective at pouring into and training up leaders under me, whether they be pastors of other churches or just like five staff. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess the question is, what, what have I found being helpful in sort of raise, even just raising up teams and and, yeah. and, and, and raising up leaders? Developing leaders, yeah. Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, I think, you know, across my time, I've recognized that most of us don't find it hard to even see our own gifting. Uh, most of us, you know, uh, and I don't know if it's a cultural thing in Australia, but we just uh, hang back and um, perhaps don't reflect a lot on our, our gifting. So I think one thing that helps in leading a, a team is is really working hard to identify and express and honor the gifts that you see in those that you are leading. Um, you know, sometimes I think people may know it, but it's like they need the freedom or the encouragement mm-hmm. to say, no, mm-hmm. you're a great um, Bible study leader or you're an incredible uh, pastoral carer and I want to encourage you in that. And, and here are some things I would, you know, and so um, really speaking into those gifts that you see, uh, you know, like, so if you're the pastor who's really like, uh, like that, that you, and, and that's a journey of, of trust. And uh, I, I'd be encouraging pastors to really think about that and to really um, to invest in, in, in work, doing the hard work of identifying the gifts in your people and encouraging them in that. And then I suppose another point on that is, is, is speaking into to the faith that is required to express those gifts. So mm. you might have a gift, but most of us kind of hang back, right? right. Like, ah, oh, I feel I could do this, but I'm not sure. And, and so talking that through with people and helping people to really rest in the sovereignty of God, the promises of God. I, I mean, I think that that is really, really key. I think in addition to that, maybe more fundamental, I think what's been really helpful for me is, you know, early on, you know, when you're planting, <coughs> um, you know, it's like you're doing everything and, you know, yeah, yeah you, you're setting up the chairs, you're, you're doing the preaching. You're, I mean, I think I even worship led once at the start, which is just not good for anyone. Yeah, um, yeah. And what I discovered is, you know, when Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive. And, um, you know, I often have thought of that text just purely in like, say, money or something like that. But actually, I think it's really, really true in so many ways and particularly in leadership. And so if you've wrestled with that as a pastor and you've mm. come to a point where you say, I actually find great joy in raising up other mm. leaders and seeing them fly and flourish, like that, that shapes everything. Like you've got right. to get to the heart of that matter. If it's all about you, then that's always going to be a stumbling block. But if it's ultimately about... Um, the joy of seeing other men and women in the body of Christ fly and flourish. I think that sets a certain tone and temperature. Now, I haven't always got that right. I've often stuffed up in that area. Uh, I often find it hard to know, like sometimes I encourage a person, I'm like, oh, maybe not, or I held back with someone, should have, should have encouraged. Like all of the details of that are really, really tricky. Sure. Um, but, but I think that posture that says is more blessed to give than it is to receive is, is, is really, really helpful. Um, the third thought that just comes to mind is, and this is what we've, I find hard and increasingly finding it hard, the bigger kind of things get is um, I, I, I think I lead relationally and um, I'm at, we're at our best. I'm at my best when I'm, I'm, I'm connected with people and loving people. And so, uh, you know, in, in Australia, there's a big, um, we talk a lot about mateship, 
and um, and really value that you know doing ministry together alongside others and so oh, mate, mateship uh, like uh, like a friend like like uh, that's the Australian word for friend mate <laughs> yeah well, it can, it comes from like um uh, like our days in the war whereas guys would go out on the battlefield right. and they would you know Aussies were known for their mateship which meant they were looking out for each other they were caring for one another or caring for others yeah. you know it's like yeah. Australians are not great on like, uh, well, we, we're like a, um, we have, uh, we don't like hierarchy and big distance. We like to be together, uh, alongside one another. And so I think for a leader, at least in our context, um, that posturing of being together and doing life together was, was really, really helpful. So rather than just like barking out orders and like, here's your job, go get it done. We've invested to not just to, to almost be, to try and be like a family together. Mm-hmm. Now that's not always um, achievable. That's not always realized. That can make things much harder at points, but where possible, we wanted to have a culture where people can feel at home. People are doing life together, um, having fun How do you, in ministry. One of the tensions of giving away ministry, and I think that's a great image you gave of it's better to give than to receive and apply it to ministry. That's great. Um, one of the pro- one of the challenges of that, of course, is that you, of course, believe that you can do it best, and so it's hard to give it away because um, effectiveness or or competency or results may suffer um, at certain times. Take preaching, for instance. You know, if you if you give it away too much or you give it to the you know whatever, if you're only fifty percent of the time because you wanted to you know give and not receive. You're going to start going, oh, gosh, that was terrible. And I'm going to let them go up there and preach again. And so how do you work through that tension, whether that be preaching or uh, just leadership in general? How do you deal with the tension of you could probably do it better, but over the long game, it's going to be better to give it away? Yeah, and I, I, I think what you, you, you've said right there at the end is really, really helpful. I think it's the long, the long game. Um, you know, I think because, you know, if you've been in ministry for some time, you do, there are a lot of things um, you can do and you can do well. Um, but equally, it's, it's, it's also, it is also about my own capacity as well to some degree because sure. having time out strengthens you up. You know, it's like in sport, you know, you want to be on the field, you know, when the, the game is played, but you also want to have those times on the sideline where you can rest up, get energy and all of those things and then re-enter and, 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 and then go strong again. Uh, it, is, it is a bit of a dance. So, and that's why I say like sometimes you make the right call, sometimes you make the wrong call, sometimes you put guys up and, and forward and you think they're going to be fantastic and you just don't, you know, you, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like quite instinctive and it's like, yeah, I think this is good and you haven't really thought too much about it. You're just like, let's go. I've got a good feeling about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go. And then, and then other times you're like, you, you, you can hold back. So I think you can, you can miss that. And there is a bit of a tension. And that's why for me as a leader, I'm, I'm really eager to have other people around me to help make those decisions. I think right. that's what I found hard early on is like, I was just calling all the shots saying, okay, I think this person could do this, blah, blah, blah. But I'm more and more just wanting to be in a posture of um, openness and humility, inviting other people to say, what do you think about this person? Because that's yeah. the other thing. I can only have a limited lens sure. on sure. somebody. Um, so getting other people to, to speak into that um, and playing that long-term game, mm-hmm. um, recognizing yeah. that, yeah, maybe someone can only do something and say what would be 80% versus say a 90% or whatever it might be or um, – 
the the trade-off for that is huge because it could mean that I get to do X, Y, and and maybe Z. So lots of little little things like that yeah. I, I, I feel has been helpful. Yeah, that's good. Okay, um, switch gears a little bit in your brain. Um, you <laughs> okay. have, okay, if you have young pastors in the room. Yeah. There's 200, 300 young pastors in the room. You're on stage, you got a few minutes and you get to speak to them. Hmm. What would you tell them right now? How about ministry, life, whatever. We, blank slate. Hey, young blank pastor, slate. here's the deal. Hey, young pastor. Well, you it's, I mean? yeah, I think I'd want to like, the f- first thing that comes to mind when you say that, Mark, is I just really want to thank them um, and, and honor them. Um, you know, it's an incredibly, you know, we were chatting a little bit before and, and particularly in this season, like it's an incredibly challenging role, um, an incredibly challenging one. Yeah. Um, there's so much at the moment, like head, so much headwind, maybe just put it like that, for pastors. And so it didn't surprise me earlier when you said, you know, like people wanting to check out and things like that. It's incredibly challenging. So I think the first thing I'd want to do is encourage them and thank them um, because, Mm-hmm. Um, it's important and significant work. Um, it's crucial work. You know, um, those who will lead God's people, those who will seek to reach the lost, those who will seek to serve um, their cities and suburbs uh, play a tremendously important role. And it's difficult at times. It's, 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 it's challenging. If they're young, they may not have experienced that. They may not have, like they would have heard it in, in their, you know, seminary classes and read it mm-hmm. through the Bible, but it's, it's, it's challenging. You, you, you sign up for war, right? Um, and your battle is not going to be against flesh and blood, uh, but powers and principalities. So I think like just a word of encouragement um, for the pastor who feels tired, uh, a word of encouragement for the pastor who feels defeated, uh, a word of encouragement for the pastor who feels disappointed, disappointed in themselves, but perhaps even disappointed in God. You know, like I read your Bible, it said Jesus was going to build a church and I've got six people and three are about to leave or, you know, um, I think a word of encouragement would be, would be the first. I think for me, um, the other thing that would in- encourages me. So if I was a, you know, I, I try and answer that question by imagining if I was in the, in the seats. Sure. Um, I'm always inspired when I'm reminded of the, the beauty or the, the bigness of God. You know, I think in times mm. like this, you know, uh, it, the, the culture feels so oppressive or the situation with COVID feels so dark or the divisions in the body of Christ seems so big. And it's like all of that begins to mount up. Um, and the temptation can be to then view God very small and that he, and, and he feels very distant and, and all of those things. So a reminder again of the magnitude and uh, magnificence of Jesus. You know, early mm-hmm. last year, I think we, you know, I was preaching through Revelation and I was just reminded, you know, there's a book that speaks to pastors and leaders and the church in a time of great uncertainty and suffering where they thought everything was, you know. So what shines through in that book 
Um, sure, there's lots of discussion about dates and numbers and the mark of this and all, like that stuff's really, really fascinating and interesting. But what's at the center of that book is this glorious vision of Jesus, the reigning, ruling, rescuing and returning king. And, and I think if, you, if, you, if we were to arise every day <laughs> with a right vision of who Jesus is, it, it humbles us, <laughs> which mm-hmm. every pastor needs. I need to be mm-hmm. humble. It, it humbles us. But equally, um, and, and, and it certainly gives us a sense of urgency, mm-hmm. right? Jesus is returning, but it also gives us a great confidence. Like he's, he's in control, not us. Like if I'm in control, we're in a bad state. But mm-hmm. if Jesus is in control, uh, if this is his world, if all things are going to be reconciled to him, um, then, that, then that can lift us. Yeah. And that can lift us. I think, I think that's what I would, um, that would be some of the things I would start with. Yeah, that's good. I, uh, a, a pastor friend of mine, Ray Johnson down in uh, California, he has this book called The Hope Quotient. He opens the, he opens the book up with the story of him and his daughter sitting in a hot tub and she has this project for school. And she says, you know, we have to pick a leader and talk to them about leadership. And obviously, dad, you're the best leader I know, you know, <laughs> leading a staff of hundreds and church of 15,000 people or something. What, what's, what's the number one thing a leader needs in their life? And he said, without even thinking about it, he said, encouragement, foundational, hmm. foundational. He, he can't even get out of bed in the morning without encouragement. And, uh, and I would agree with that. I think I'm not saying people, you know, stroking your ego every five seconds and being like, oh, you're so great. That's not what I mean. Just the encouragement to like, this matters. The encouragement of like, I'm okay at this. Uh, The encouragement of people around you going, hey, here's how Jesus is speaking to me and impacting me through you and what you're doing and saying and being, you know, whatever. It's like those little pieces are huge. And, you know, to follow up on that, we're in a time, living at a time where discouragement is, you know, rampant and, uh, pastors are feeling it. I mean, I'm talking, I'm seeing, you know, pastors and, and you get it and I get it on social media, whatever it is. It's like, there's criticism on everything. You're doing it for, you know, fame. You're doing it for the money. You're doing it. You know, there's the political pressure. There's the discussion about all of these crazy things right now. And you're saying the way you hold on in the midst of ministry, have a big vision of Jesus and make sure you get encouragement around you. Um, And I think that's huge. Now, I don't know how Australian culture is, but oftentimes in Canadian culture, and I want to speak to Canadian pastors here, uh, because for some reason, the the Canadian Church Leaders podcast has given me the the, uh, the ropes and the reins here. I don't know why, but um, Canadians are an interesting group of people. Um, I don't know if you know the, the phrase tall poppy syndrome in, in Australia. Have you ever heard that? Oh, that yeah. Phrase? Yeah. So yeah. Ca- and are, are Australians like that too? Because Canadians, it's like a way of life. You know, yeah. a, a flower grows up a little higher and everyone just wants to chop it down and go, it's, it's, it's crabs in a bucket. It's, hey, I think you're going to get out, get down here, you know, and be with me. Um, and that's kind of a, a Canadian way. And I've always struggled with it. Um, I love Canada, but I've but speaking to you Canadian pastors here, I've always struggled with us 
feeding into it and allowing that spirit of like criticism and negativity and and you know I don't know if it's some kind of like thing from our British days where we just you know you know what it's like you preach in Australia or Canada and, and you know you go to certain places other places of people like amen drop it bro they're standing up they're giving it and then you <laughs> preach to the Canadians like blink blink oh that's a nice point you have theologically <laughs> and it's like what are we talking like where's the passion where's the excitement where's the willingness to go being effective is not a bad thing encouraging people is not a bad yeah. thing just because you encourage another pastor or person doesn't mean they're gonna become whatever that leader in your brain that failed out of ministry because they were a jerk, they're not going to necessarily become that. But we're like afraid that they will. And so we hold back from encouraging each yeah. other. And it's dumb. We need to be the biggest encouragers on the planet. We all need to be encouraged because we all know we're sitting in the rooms, twisting our hair going, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I, I, you know, And so getting encouragement from one another and encouraging huge. other people is, is a huge way to, to do that. And I think uh, it's a way to actually draw encouragement to yourself too. It's a, if you're struggling right now as a leader to get encouragement, try starting giving it and then, yeah. you know, kind of see what happens because it'll welcome it. If you never yeah. give it, I don't think many people are going to give it to you. So, so on that note, how do you navigate the big challenges of the team you lead the criticism you get in life, um, because any leader who's leading anything above five people, I mean, I always say, and I think it was, uh, it was, uh, I can't even remember really who it was, a leader back in the day said, those who you idolize, you will one day demonize. And, mm. and I've always known that about my job. Like, in the early, you know how it is in the early days in those first five, six, seven years, Guy Mason, you can do no wrong. Mark Clark, you can do no wrong. I'm going to bring my friends. I'm going to share your videos, <laughs> whatever. And now you're, you know, you're eight, nine, 10, 11 years in. And it's like, you're a jerk. You can't believe you. But I, I was going on social media today. There's people on my social media going, what are you doing? I'm just people freaking out. I said, how do you deal how do you deal with the criticism that comes in ministry guy mason yeah that's it you know that's great i mean it's a really good observation and i think it's the temptation for a pastor is to start believing um the press releases about you particularly early sure. on because people yeah. oh, tell yeah. you oh my gosh that was the best sermon i have ever you know changed my life i'm going to share your videos mm -hmm. you have changed my life don't you know, don't let anyone else tell you you're the 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 reason that you know people just pump you up and yeah. and you've got a filter and you're like yeah I know look give glory to God give glory to God you know it's right, His right. but but it's you it's easier to start living off that and feeding off that and it's very sin is um, our hearts are deceptive and so um, it's easy to, for the you know to pump those tires up and to live off that and so when when that starts to shift or the person who lifts you up now hates you. Um, <laughs> Uh, it really can throw you for six, and um, uh, you know. What? After a what, while, what does that mean? Throw you? Sorry, for hit six. you for six. What does that uh, mean? I, actually, it's funny, you know. I said that. I'm like, I don't even know if that's the right <laughs> phrase. Uh, I, knock I you over. That, oh, knock you over. I just, okay. Yeah, yeah. Anything that doesn't make sense, just blame that it's Australian. Oh, Probably yeah, not yeah, even exactly. Australian. Yeah, it's just um, hit you for six. Hit you for six. There you go. That's a cricket term. Um, 
whatever. Okay, yeah, and so, that's why so, not so one that, of our Canadian listeners will understand that. But anyways, yes, continue. Yes. So that can throw you, you yeah. know, and, and, then, and then you get a false sense of um, self or right. uh, self-expectation, you know. Like I'm the kind of guy who, like I could preach a sermon and have 20 people come up and say, man, God moved in my life. That was fantastic. And I just have one person say, yeah, I didn't really like your third point. And I'd be like, it would, it would, I don't know, it'd be so uncomfortable. I'd be like, oh gosh, and there'd be the pressure in all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what I've, I've come to realize, well, I'm, I'm on a journey to, to realize more and more is the, um, you know, it's such a simple point, but our need for as pastors to anchor ourselves in the affection and approval, um, the righteousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, the, the wave of, say, criticism or the wave of challenge, you know, whether that's for someone like you, you're very public, and so whether that's a public thing or whether it's personal, you've got someone in your team or whatever it might be, that stuff can eat you up. And it would be a lie to say that you can avoid that. I, I just haven't met anyone yeah. who hasn't, like even, and, and the, you know, you might put it on yourself and say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I could have done this. And, and sometimes there's wisdom. You've got to learn from what we do, but sometimes it's inevitable. People put you in a place that you were never meant to be. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's only a matter of time before that is challenged. So that's, that, that's both, that's very humbling for a pastor, particularly if they've bought into their own um, press release. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's like I find, I'm, I'm increasingly finding more freedom in, in, in recognizing my own futility, my own fallenness. Um, uh, I think you've quoted this book before, but uh, I read it through it last year, you know, Leading with a Limp, found really, really helpful. Mm. Uh, just to remind myself of what I've always preached, but my own fallenness and my own brokenness in the midst mm. of what God is doing. Like, actually, no, I don't have this together. And actually, I am not great at this and uh, I need to learn, you know, this, but then, so like, but not staying there forever, like taking that and then reminding myself. And yet in the midst of my fallenness, I am, you know, a son of the living God who loves me, who cares for me, who's given me some gifts, not every gift, but some gifts, uh, who, who meets me with his grace. Um, I, you know, a friend of mine uh, said to me, you know, it's such a helpful way of thinking, you know, I'm at, I'm at my best, we're all at our best when Jesus is most alive in us. And so for me personally, Mark, and, um, and I'm sure it'd be true for a lot of the, the pastors, the deeper I can go with Jesus, you know, the closer I am to Jesus and, and, and his affection and his righteousness yeah. and his forgiveness and his promise. Well, you know, when I'm secure in that covenant, like I have that covenant, right? I have that union. Yeah. Romans 8, nothing can separate me from the love of God. There is nothing, no email, no staff challenge, um, no church division, um, no financial pressure, right? Can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, by faith, we, we have that union. Nothing can change that. The great thing about you know, your encouragement to, to hope in the, in the righteousness of Christ to us is a, it's a theological point that I think we miss in that as pastors and Christians, we tend to focus on, um, forgiveness of sin as a result of the gospel. But if, as I read recently somewhere, all you get is the forgiveness of sin. The problem with that is that, uh, now you're just neutral, 
You actually yeah. need you actually need the righteousness of Christ to get to heaven when you die, in a sense, or to be in the presence of God. Being neutral is just not <laughs> getting the sin washed away is like, okay, great. I actually need the righteousness of Jesus. And so uh coming back to that in the midst of the struggle over and over and over again is pretty crucial. And then on your second point, I heard your uh your your uh your mentor there, your hero, Tim Keller, as I listened to you preach at a, at a conference once and you were talking about how Tim Keller is kind of the, you know, the fourth member that you accepted him into your heart or whatever as Lord Savior. Um, and so, but recently I was listening to him on a podcast, obviously going through his cancer stuff now and, and mm. seeing the end of his life basically arrive and not really being able to do anything about it. Um, and predicts that he'll probably pass within the next year or two. I, I don't know. Um, and 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 I think it was Nicky Gumbel uh, was interviewing him, and, and he had said, um, I wouldn't want to go back to the way I related and was intimate with Jesus before mm. this sickness. I wouldn't take it. And And I think there's something, I mean, it blows your mind, and I was talking to a friend of mine recently who has a wife who's who's dying of brain cancer, and they say, you know, given her a couple of years, and uh, he said the same. He said something very similar to me, and it's this: like, what if we could view the tensions and the struggles right now that we're all going through as pastors, but as something like that? Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna push into my walk with Jesus so much so that on the other side of this, when everyone's out and everything's back, people can come to church and again, I'm gonna have a relationship with Jesus that I wouldn't take back the old version. Oh, that's so, so helpful, yeah. Mark, and so true. And I think if one, you know, if there could be one learning from the, the mess and the destruction that is like COVID, it's been a stripping away of so many things that we were clinging to, Yeah. you know? And when we talked about it as pastors, I was clinging to this, I had this, you know? Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I returned to gatherings just recently and, you know, there's limitations, people are wearing masks, there's like half the amount of people that were there than when before. And it's like that, if, if, if you're anchoring, if your identity is anchored in church numbers <laughs> right. or, how, you know, the, right. whatever it might be, like that's just going to be completely, incredibly unnecessarily painful. But if our identity is anchored in the righteousness of yeah. Christ, Amen. which as you say, is not just him, you know, taking away your sin, but yeah, gifting a, you with his right, righteousness. Proactive. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah you know, the, the, that, the beauty of Jesus, the purity of Jesus, the, like if we get that, man, that in, is, is incredible. And then also, as you say, like to know that he works all things together for, for good. There's this beautiful quote. Uh, it says, the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and deep loving concern. Hmm. Um, I, we, through this year, uh, I have known defeat. We have known defeat in, in, yeah. in lots of you know, in different ways. How might God use that? What would be the lesson for us as people? How the, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in the midst of that could be better than we ever thought or imagined. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And 
you know, I've been thinking about how to encourage pastors in the midst of this. And uh, I was best book I read this year, uh, Guy, I don't know if you've read uh, Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly yet. I haven't. I've been okay. recommended. And I want to. Re- yeah. I want to read that one. Right, right. So it's it's the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers. And the beautiful thing is, right off the bat, he talks about um, the fact that, like, I don't know, Charles Spurgeon told his grandfather something that out of the eighty nine chapters uh, in the Gospels that we have of Jesus total, um, there's only one place where Jesus tells us about his own heart. And it's in Matthew 11, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And this idea mm. that, um, and it's, you know, based on the theology of Thomas Goodwin and so on. And it's, it's, I've learned probably more reading that book than any other book I've read in the last two or three wow. years. I wrote new, about new ideas about if Jesus comes and suffers, Hebrews 11, you know, for the joy set before him, then we have to understand every time we need him as sinners or sufferers, it's the reason he wakes up in the morning. It's the thing that gives him joy. Mm. It like he, And the analogy he gives is like, we think he just kind of applies forgiveness and righteousness to us as like, oh boy, here we go, <laughs> these losers. But he, he puts it like this. He says, if you're a doctor and you've gone to all this work to take a, uh, some, you know, some, some vaccine or something to a, to a jungle in Africa and you, you've done all of it and no one from the village comes to take it, you're disappointed. But when they start coming to receive Mm. the thing you've done all this work to give them, it gives you joy to apply it. And that's the thing that just blowing my mind recently is like the joy of Jesus to apply his accomplishment to our lives as sinners and sufferers. That's, that's the thing that keeps me going as a leader at this point. So oh, that's, yeah, that is great, Mark. That's spot on. And isn't that, what an encouragement to pastors who are right now struggling to know that as they arise, they can go to the Lord and he will be, he will be meeting them. Gentle and kindness. lowly. He wants to, yeah. bro. He wants to, like, yeah. it's, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's something that's been ministering to my heart in the midst of like crazy season where I'm Mr. Extrovert. I want to be out in the town. I want to be with people. Yeah. I want to be like, I, my office is sitting empty. I want to run around my office and sing and kick my feet up on people's offices and joke around. And it's dead zone. And it's yeah. like, oh gosh, the Valley of Dry Bones over here. So anyway, brother, <laughs> yeah. thank you for your time, Guy Mason. You're a brilliant man. You, You're Mark. pushing into Jesus. Thanks for pouring into pastors in Canada. Uh, it's going to benefit us a ton, sir. So thank you so much. Love you, mate.